Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Everybody open your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Last week we looked at the first portion of Jeremiah's call. In this calling we saw God's sovereignty in the call of Jeremiah. That Jeremiah was known by God before he was even conceived. That he was consecrated or sanctified. He was set apart for God's use and was appointed to a specific mission. We saw Jeremiah's concern that he laid before the Lord with his youthfulness, and then God's affirmation that Jeremiah would be able to fulfill this mission because it would be through God's power only that Jeremiah could fulfill the mission that God had set him apart for. Further, we saw God demonstrated to Jeremiah the consecration, and then God gave Jeremiah a very general overview of the message of his mission. In light of this call, we hopefully learned that we too have been given a mission. We must know the one who has called us. God himself is the one that uh, called us, and he is the one that is going to fulfill the Great Commission. We must confess our fears to the Lord. We must trust our Lord to carry us, and we must act in his power because we cannot do it on our own. We must be reminded of the price paid for our sanctification. As uh, Jeremiah was demonstrated, his set-apartness by uh, his mouth being touched, we must remember to look to the cross of Jesus to know that we were set apart. And we must know our message. We must know the gospel. Lastly, we must go. We must do what God has called us to in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. Today, we're going to look at the second half of that call, starting in verse 11. Uh, truly, it does seem like this is, is a part of uh, the call, as it's right in there, as we see the word moreover here in verse 11. So let's go ahead and read from 11 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 19. And then we'll get into it this evening. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me a second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord. And they shall come, they shall set everyone on his throne at the entering of the gate of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the work of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. 
Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made this the day. Behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city, and an iron pillar and brass and walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. God is continuing to give kind of a general overview of this mission and ministry, but he starts giving some more specifics to what he has called Jeremiah to. In this passage, we're going to see two visions, two explanations, and two promises. So let's get into vision number one. Reread here verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. God shows Jeremiah a rod of an almond tree or an almond branch. In this culture, the bloom of the almond tree was the sign of a season change. The almond tree was the first to bloom. Also, the word for almond was similar in language to the word watching or hasten as it is translated here in the King James, which is where almond got its name. As you see the almond tree bloom, be watching for the season's change. God uses something of familiarity to Jeremiah to show God's purposes. Now, we don't always get explanations for visions that prophets and men of God saw, but here we get a pretty quick response and explanation from God to Jeremiah and to us today. God goes on in verse 12 to say this, Then then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast seen well, for I will hasten my word to perform it. God tells Jeremiah that he was correct in what he was seeing. And he says, I will hasten my word to perform it. Like I said, the word hasten here is nearly identical to the Hebrew word for almond. So in the text, there's almost this this pun intended. Anybody like puns? I like puns. Uh, They're just fun. So learning that, I thought, there's puns in the Bible. Humor is great. But it's a play on words and a connection to what Jeremiah was seeing. God tells Jeremiah that as the almond tree is the first sign of a changing season, as you know, when you see the almond bloom, you start to watch for the seasons to change. So too am I watching over my word to bring it about to happen. You see an almond branch because I'm showing you that my word is about to start, it's it's about to bloom, it's about to start happening. The prophetic words given to Jeremiah at the beginning of destruction are about to happen. Those things are about about to start going down, if you will. So the message that Jeremiah has been given, those things are about to start happening. That's when we get to vision number two. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto me a second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Well, we'll get there in a minute. That's the explanation. I can't go too far. Vision number two. God shows Jeremiah a seething or boiling pot coming from the north. You may see here that it says toward the north. Um, As you read the following verses in the explanation, it shows that the intended meaning here is that it was showing its face from the north, 
for that is where the nations are bringing judgment on Judah are coming from. They are coming from the north. Again, this vision includes a common object that Jeremiah would have been greatly familiar with. This type of pot would have been a common household cooking pot. Think of, think of your favorite pot at home, uh, but don't think of your stove because that's not where it would have been. They didn't have nice electric ranges at that point. It would have been over a fire. It would have been a little bit more dangerous, although stoves are just as dangerous. Judah decided to throw a toy up there not too long ago while it was on. That makes things interesting, especially when it's his favorite toy. Anyways, this pot would have been a common household cooking pot. This was something that Jeremiah, again, was familiar with, and God uses it to show him what he's about to do, what's about to go down. And so we see God give an explanation immediately following this. The Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. Jeremiah correctly sees what God is asking him again, and then God explains the purpose for showing this to Jeremiah. As we just stated, this pot was representative of coming judgment on Judah. And certainly the pot's tilt and seething contents inside would have spilled out and scalded the area to which it flowed. God's explanation of this was that judgment was coming from the north upon the people of Judah, the rulers and all, for their idolatrous worship. This was not merely an attack. When those people were to see armies coming from the north to attack them, it was not just an attack. Jeremiah was told to go and tell this to the people so that they might know it was a God-ordained judgment of their sin. His accusation against Judah was that they turned from him towards the work of their own hands. They worshipped false gods. Do not be mistaken that God is a God of grace, but he is undoubtedly a God of justice and judgment. Sin is not ever forgotten. It is paid for, either by oneself or by the blood of Jesus. Here in Jeremiah's time, the people of Israel were to face condemnation for their sinful actions. Jeremiah is the one who would be taking this message to them. With these two visions together or back to back, it certainly seems that God is telling Jeremiah things are going to start happening, which is why we see two promises to Jeremiah immediately following these visions and explanations. We see the very first promise in verse 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. God demonstrates the severity of this situation. God says, Jeremiah, judgment is coming, Jeremiah, and you've got work to do, so get ready. Dress for work. Get to work. Do the work that I have commanded you. Then we see a promise that comes in the form of a warning or a threat. God warns Jeremiah, do not be dismayed before them or I will confound you. The Hebrew here is shattered. The word shattered is what it has in mind, both for dismayed and confound. Also kind of another play on words um, or really just a, this, you are shattered before them, I'm going to make sure that you are shattered. God says, don't be shattered before them or I will shatter you. This may be a little bit difficult to swallow, but what it seems to be saying here is that Jeremiah is God's chosen representative to Judah and the nations. Jeremiah is to be a messenger of God's judgment and strength. 
For Jeremiah to cower or cave under the pressure would bring about God's discipline upon Jeremiah for failing to represent him and fulfill the message accurately to the people he was called to prophecy to. Jeremiah's job is serious. The promise is that for Jeremiah to be unfaithful would lead to Jeremiah's discipline. We see a second promise here in this passage. Look in verse 18. For behold, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brass and walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. In light of this warning promise, there is also a beautiful promise of God's protection. God tells Jeremiah that despite the attacks he will inevitably face, that he has made him as a defensed city. He has given him a secure position. He is not to be touched. They will try. Maybe this is a secondary promise. They're, they're coming. They, they will attack you, but they're not going to prevail. Why? Verse 19. They shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee. Jeremiah is not a secure position on his own. He is not a defensed city on his own. He has not in his own strength even become a fortified city. He is so. He is that defensed city because God is with Jeremiah to deliver him out of the hands of his enemies. What an incredible promise for the God of the universe to make to this man. Just like last week, we see a weak vessel chosen by God to fulfill a mission. And only through God's power will Jeremiah be able to fulfill it. Jeremiah must rely on the power of God to allow him to fulfill this mission. Today, we have quite a lot that we can learn from this. That was just kind of an overview. So let's talk about how we can apply this to our life. Visions. Now, we don't want to read into this a meaning that's not there. So understand that these visions are not something that we're dealing with today. When we read this, don't start thinking, Canada is going to invade our northern border. The, the nice people up there, as we know, there's not really all that nice. Um, they're not, we're, it, this isn't saying, okay, they're going to invade our southern border. This was a promise that was fulfilled already in Israel, in Judah. What we're dealing with, though, is the same God, the same core problem, sin, idolatry. We're seeing the same kinds of sins today that we see here in this passage, worshiping the things that we have created with our hands. Leaders that don't submit to the authority of God, worship of false gods. Surely there really is nothing new under the sun. So as we look back here on Jeremiah's story and then look forward to the New Testament's calling, we see through Jeremiah's example something we can learn in light of our current situation when it comes to our position in Christ. When it comes to the first vision that Jeremiah received, it was a message of urgency to Jeremiah. My word is about to happen. Judgment is coming on Judah for their sin. Does that sound familiar? The judgment day is approaching for the whole world, and it's coming quick. The judgment for sin we see prophesied about here in Jeremiah 1 was only a glimpse of what was coming for everybody else. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, 
but after this, the judgment. No one is exempt. We have a message of judgment to share with the world. It's not all. We have a message of grace, but certainly we must have the message of judgment of sin. When you die, that is it. Time is up. What will your defense be? John 3.18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Because we are all sinners, and as Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Your condemnation for your sin is death. Eternal separation from God. But as we just read, placing your faith in Jesus removes our condemnation. No amount of good can save you. Turn over to Romans chapter 3. This, seems, this may seem kind of like repetitive in nature. But you can never be too clear about the gospel. And this is the message of urgency that we must share, just like Jeremiah had a message of urgency to share to Judah. Look at Romans chapter 3, start in verse 20. I'm going to read a little chunk here, but I, I can't say it any better than the Word of God, so we just need to read it. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it as is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through the faith? Through faith, God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace but of debt. Our sin will be dealt with. Judgment is on our sin. We have that is what we are due. Either by you taking the punishment upon your own shoulders or by relying on the blood of Jesus. We have no other defense but Jesus. We can have no other defense but Jesus. We cannot earn Christ. Only receive him as the propitiation gift that he is. Let me be clear. God does not desire for us to come under wrath. But as our sin is due it, he is just. We will, faith wrath. we will face wrath if we do not repent and trust in Christ's blood. 
1 Thessalonians 5.9 tells us, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus. And Romans 10.9 tells us how we might receive that salvation. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That faith takes the wrath off of your shoulders and gives you eternal life. That wrath goes off of us and is put on Jesus. The wrath has been poured out on him already for those of us who are in Christ. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Without it, the wrath remains on you. John 3.36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. What will you choose this day? The day is coming quick. Just like in Jeremiah's time, God's word is not going to stop. It's coming. And you don't know when your days are up on this earth. You, believer, this is the message that we are to carry with urgency to the world. That's our message. Our message is that Jesus paid for your sins. Wrath is coming. Either you confess Christ as your Savior and He has taken the wrath for you, or you're going to be taking it upon yourself because sin has to be paid for. Sin has to be dealt with. To Jeremiah, God gave two promises, one in the form of a warning. Today, let's look at some of the promises that we have been given in relation to sharing the message given to us. Number one, Jeremiah was given the promise or the warning that he would be disciplined for disobedience. Remember, for us, we are no longer under condemnation who are in Christ, but as a loving father, he does discipline his children. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. Look over at what it says. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Further on in that particular chapter, verse 11, it says, Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. He disciplines us to bring us back into righteous living because he loves us. We have a promise that we will be disciplined as his children. That's a, that's a good thing. Like verse 5 says, it doesn't feel good at the time, but as we look back, and I'm sure most of you sitting in this room today can look back on a time where God disciplined you in your life. And I hope and pray that you were thankful for that because it probably pulled you out of some kind of sin that he knew you needed to be out of. This promise and warning should be an encouragement to you. Look out for the discipline of the Lord in your life, but give no reason for him to discipline you. Carry his word to the world. Share the gospel. We have been given a mission to share Jesus with the people around us. I pray that we need not be disciplined for being disobedient in this area. I pray that we, we, we need not to be scourged for not sharing the gospel with our neighbor. But if we do disobey, which us, our sinful wandering hearts will, I pray the discipline would be quick and effective so that more might come to know Christ through us. 
Do you pray for the disobedience in your life to be worked out by God's discipline? It's a hard prayer, but might we pray it so that we might be more obedient, seeing the areas of sin in our lives that prevent us from fulfilling the mission he has called us to. As we saw, there was the first promise of discipline for disobedience. The second promise was that Jeremiah was promised protection because God was with him. Remember from last week, in our mission, we have been promised that God is with us. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, Lo, behold, I am with you always unto the end of the age. He is with us. When you have Christ as your Savior and you've placed your faith in him, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You will face trial and tribulation. John 16, 33, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He is with us. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee. No, I just copied that twice. I, I didn't think that sounded right on the very first one. Let's go. Just flip over to John 16, 33. There we go. That makes way more sense. I thought that doesn't sound like John. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have great, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We have been told we will have, we will face trial. We will face tribulation, so did Jeremiah. But as Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. In our gospel sharing, people will reject us. People will reject, not us, but the gospel. Some people will be hostile. In many places around the world, people are put to death for their faith and for sharing their faith. But we should not fear. We shall not worry. For he is with us. The worst that can happen is they send us home. They send us home to be with the Lord. So believer in the room, despite the trial and tribulation you face, will you obediently carry his word with you so that the nations may know the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you faithfully stand in the promise that he is with you and obediently take that urgent message of the gospel unto the world around you? Really examine yourself and ask yourself if you have been obedient to that calling. I think we all can be a little bit more evangelistic. Really examine your heart. I pray these promises that we have been given, that God will discipline those whom he loves, those who need the discipline, and that he is with us, will give us the boldness to share Jesus with the people around us. And for you who does not know Christ, I pray that you make the decision to place your faith in him. Going to church isn't placing your faith in him. Going to Christian concerts isn't, isn't placing your faith in him. Even just simply saying words that you were given is not placing your faith in him. Repeating words isn't. It is a heart change to follow Christ and trust in his blood alone to rescue you from wrath. 
And when you do it, man, will you feel the freedom from sin lifted from your back because his yoke is easy and light. I hope that's a message that you, believer, have shared. If you've never even shared the gospel like that with somebody that you love, know, needs it, I pray that you, you wouldn't waste time doing it because we don't know when we will take our last breath. Not only do we not know when we will take our last breath, and we have the opportunity to share that gospel, we don't know when that lost person might take their last breath. So what are you waiting for? Jeremiah went out. He went out obediently. He faced a lot of tribulation in his time. Yet he was faithful. I hope as our world is ever-changing and we are facing more tribulation and our brothers and sisters around the globe are facing tribulation, that we would have more boldness to stand in those promises, and through standing in those promises, we would be obedient. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for encouraging us through it. Lord, I pray that we would truly take the message of the gospel seriously and the call that you had given to us to share that gospel with the world around us. I pray, Lord, that we would take it seriously, that, Lord, we would, we would, be faithful, Lord, that so many people need Jesus. So many people are just ripe for hearing the gospel and turning to you. But Lord, you just need obedient servants to go out and share it. Lord, I pray that our, our hearts would be broken for the people in this world that are lost, the people just in our community that are lost. And Lord, I pray that we would do something about it, that we would obediently go despite the tribulation we face, that we would go with haste, to share the gospel to the world around us. Lord, strengthen us, equip us, help us to have more faith so that we might be obedient to you. Be with our prayer time tonight. Let all that is said and done be for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, Give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.